When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, are you ready for some money rehab? Wall Street has been completely upended by an unlikely player, GameStop. And should I have a 401k? Because you don't do it? No, I never. Girl. You think the whole world revolves around you and your money? Well, it doesn't. Charge for wasting our time. I will take a check. Like an old school You recognize her from anchoring on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg. The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold lapin. Hi, I'm the Bumble Bandit. You may have heard of the Tinder swindler. And you will have heard of me, too, once I get my Netflix deal linked. Anywho, yes, there are many of us swindlers out there. More and more every day, in fact. But we may be run out of business with financial experts like the cold lapin, and the Motley Fool's Jack Capperol around. So, the choice is yours. Listen to Nicole and Jack's advice, or end up funding me and my next Bumble Dates trip to Santorini. Have you ever sailed the Aegean Sea? It's beautiful this time of year, and every time of year. Can you introduce yourself for folks who might not know you? Yes, I am Jack Capperol. I'm a financial research analyst at The Motley Fool. Um, and the mission of the fool is to make the world smarter, happier, and richer. So hopefully our conversation today does that. Those are all my favorite things. Yes, please. I have to start by asking you, have you seen the Tinder swindler? Yes, I've seen it. I've read about it. Uh, I read like the original article that I think was published in a German newspaper that kind of uncovered the whole thing. And it's definitely a fascinating popcorn-worthy story, but it's also pretty tragic and pretty sad, I think. And it's important to remember that aspect of it also. It is both. Both can be true at the same time, as you know. Can you describe it for our audience if they haven't seen it? Yeah, so there is this man, Semen Leviev, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and he had uh, actually had a long history of other types of fraud and scams before he got into, you know, what the what the move or what the documentary is about, which is his time basically scamming women under the pretenses that he was in a romantic relationship with them. And essentially what what happened is he took on the name uh, and posed as the son of a Russian Israeli diamond mogul, then used Tinder to meet women he would take them on really crazy dates, private jets, nice hotels, etc. So very high-end experiences and gifts. And he would establish a romantic relationship with these women. And then he would claim to get in some sort of trouble. And I think I, I recall the line that he would always go back to is that, you know, he was in danger. He had these kind of faceless, nameless enemies 
um, his bodyguard would get beat up or stabbed and he would send bloody pictures uh, and he would say, you know, I'm in trouble. I just need you to wire me some money because, you know, for some reason he couldn't access his accounts. Um, the women, you know, thinking that they were totally in love with him and were going to spend the rest of their lives with him, um, would send him some money. He wouldn't repay them. And then he would use that money, uh, to run the scam again with other women. And yeah, that's, that's the Tinder swindler. Yeah. Like a Ponzi scheme fraud situation that was completely bananas, as was reinventing Anna and the dropout that's coming out. So there have obviously been a lot of Hollywood movies or I guess miniseries around this topic, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a trend or a pattern. But you guys at the Motley Fool Analysis Service, The Ascent, did a big study about this and it could possibly be art imitating life. Yeah. So there's definitely, as you mentioned, a trend in, you know, dramatizing these stories or following them in the form of a documentary. Um, but we've also seen over the past couple of years, um, at least more people reporting scams of all different types. So that includes romance scams like the Tinder swindler. Um, and also, investment scams. There's been a big spike in cryptocurrency related scams as more and more people get interested and invested um, in crypto assets. And uh, also during COVID, we've seen a big increase in um, imposter scams. So that includes romance scams, but also people posing as government officials. Um, right. So there are a lot of questions about stimulus checks and other benefits during the height of the pandemic. And folks were looking to take it, scammers were looking to take advantage of that. And another type of scam that we saw really spike during the pandemic, scams around medical treatments, right? If you send X amount of money to this person or this account, we'll hook you up with a vaccine, get you to the front of the line, or we'll get you this new COVID treatment, or we'll get you a pack of these new COVID tests, right? Um, and... I think it's a combination of the pandemic really changing a lot of social dynamics and the way that people interacted with the world that created new opportunities for scammers. Um, but I think it's also, you know, could just be people being more aware of these scams happening right through all of the Hollywood attention that's being paid to them and being more likely to report scams, right? You know, scams uh, have been going on since the Middle Ages, if not earlier, you get the letter from the Lord saying, you know, my squire, he's found uh, this like treasure trove, right? He's got all this loot, but he's been locked up and I just need, you know, 500 pieces of gold or whatever to let him free and you can have part of the loot. So people have been running scams for forever. If that's real? That's like the OG scam? I don't know. I don't know if that's the OG scam, uh, but people, people have been running scams for a long time and they're all more or less uh, the same. Uh, it's just like a, a pig with different color lipstick. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a special place in hell for people who try to fraud people who need medical help or COVID vaccines or I mean, it's it's just really sickening. Um, if you look at some of the scams that were on the rise during the pandemic, you mentioned the criminals who stole stimulus checks and unemployment benefits. How exactly does that happen? And I guess the bigger question is, how does identity theft work? So usually when it came to COVID scams and COVID fraud, 
folks uh, would pose as a government official and they would say in order they would somehow and this gets to your second question you know how does identity fraud work they would somehow get your contact information um, and they'd send you a message email text message or contact you through social media and say you know you have this stimulus money in an account or you have these benefits in an account they're tied up in order to untie them we need an account number, a bank account number, for example, or a credit card number, debit card number, or we need you to send some money to this account to pay a fee to unlock the money that's sitting there for you. And, you know, there's just a deluge of information um, that the American public had to contend with during the height of the pandemic. And, People would fall for these scams thinking, you know, if I turn over, if I if I just give this person or give this person who seems to be government official 50 bucks to pay a processing fee to get my stimulus check, it's great. I pay 50, I get 1200 in return and it's and it's all good. But in reality, they were sending money uh, to a scammer or they were giving a scammer information that could then be used to further uh, defraud them. So this is what you guys talk about in the study as synthetic account fraud. Can you explain that more? It's like a combination of legit information and fake information. Yeah. So what essentially would happen is someone will take parts of your identity or a person's identity that's available publicly online, uh, like a name or a stolen social security number, And then they'll use that to create a new identity that they can then go out and carry other carry out other types of scams with. Um, And so you actually see this happen quite a bit with romance scams, where someone will kind of build a fake internet persona um, around publicly available information. They'll take someone's social media picture. They'll take someone else's name, their birthday, someone else's hobbies, build a persona, and then present that. Uh, to their victim as a way to build trust. And, you know, what I would say is given how much information is out there on the internet and how much people are on social media, et cetera, I can't stress enough how important digital hygiene is and just taking stock every so often uh, of what about you is publicly available online. And whether you want all of that information to be publicly available, you know, check your social media privacy settings. Is everything out there kind of open for the world to see and access, even if you don't know uh, the people who might be looking at your social media profile, et cetera? Because if it is, you know, I don't want to say that the chances are, but it's certainly possible that someone could be looking to use that publicly available information Um to scam you or scam someone else. Hold on to your wallets, boys and girls. Money Rehab will be right back. Now for some more Money Rehab. This actually happened to me now that I think about it uh, a million years ago when I got out of a long-term relationship and I was investigating dating apps for the first time because I kind of missed that um, while being in a relationship. And so I found this guy who pretended to be some Saudi prince or something, but I thought it was hilarious. And so 
I Googled it and it was all the same pictures. And he messaged me something like, I'm in Beverly Hills shopping for jewelry or something, something. And obviously I knew this was not him. So I just talked back to him thinking it was hilarious that I was entertaining myself. But I could definitely see how people could fall for something like that if you're using enough of the actual information that is Googleable. Yeah, so it's interesting. You touched on a couple of of things. First is, you know, romance scammers will try and target people who have lost a loved one, husband or wife, or have just come out of a long-term relationship. And they can figure that out by looking at someone's information on social media if they don't have that information uh, available only to be seen by their friends, right? Not... I don't know if that happened to you or if that's extremely fucked up. Well, that's, I guess my point about digital hygiene, making sure, you know, check those social media privacy settings and making sure uh, that if you, if you want just your friends to see things, that's what your settings are are set up to do. Um, But the other thing, even if like, you know, God forbid, if somebody lost their spouse or something, that seems like a thing that, you know, people will post about and, you know, get support from the community. It's crazy that you would have to protect something like that from being yeah. stolen. Well, that's why, I mean, that's why romance scams in particular are so tragic because they prey not just kind of on your bank account, but on like really real emotions that can be really difficult to grapple with. And if, you know, you're trying to get back into the dating scene after a tough relationship or right, God forbid you lose someone and your kind of first interaction is being scammed. I mean, what a terrible way, um, what a terrible thing to go through after, after a a tragedy, after you're coming out of a hard time. Um, so yeah, it is, it is tough. Um, the other thing that you mentioned though, was, you know, the messages that were like, I'm shopping in Beverly Hills, et cetera. And so obviously a lot of these folks who are running these scams will kind of try and come off uh, a certain way, right? Having money, living in cool places, doing interesting things. That's one route. Um, There are many other kind of models that they play around with, but it's interesting because if you, you immediately picked up on it being a scam. Um, And I wonder if that's because did it seem like the messages were kind of coming out of a script or a playbook? Like he, these messages could be sent to anybody. That's a good question. I also now want to double click on the other methods that people are using so we can uh, let those be known. Um, I think it was because there were a lot of pictures that were already online. And, you know, I think Typically, when people are on dating apps, even exclusive dating apps, they use sort of more personal photos that aren't like their headshot or whatever. Um, So that, I think, tipped me off. Um, I've also recently been getting some DMs from Simon uh, wannabe type people. And I think it's hilarious. But, you know, it's a great question question, thank you for turning the tables, as to what got me uh, thinking that it was a scam from the get-go. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a jaded, pessimistic human. It could be. I mean, sometimes, you know, 
the scammer comes off as almost like too cookie cutter perfect. And that can be a little strange. Definitely if they're using pictures that seem a little bit off, or if you if you run a like a reverse Google image search and that picture shows up associated with a bunch of other different people, like the person that you're not talking to, that's uh obviously how do you do that? Huh? You just put how do you do that? Uh, you can copy the image, um, or you can select screenshot the image and then email it to yourself. Um, and then go to Google images and you should just be able to like paste the image into the search. Um, and Google will then search for the image, right? Instead of a usual like text search, they'll search for the image. And so if this guy's headshot or his like picture with his dog or whatever shows up uh, and is like linked to a bunch of other social media accounts with different names. Uh, that's clearly uh, an issue, right? That's clearly a scam. This guy's picture has been scraped off the internet and is now being used um, by someone who isn't him. Yeah, I mean, it seems really obvious, but a lot of smart people fell for these scams. I mean, these these people you know, weren't like the victims of the Nigerian prince scam, which intentionally goes after, you know, um, less educated, uh, lower income people. This this was these are very sophisticated. Now, I'm sure in the same way as like when you go through TSA, you have to take off your shoes now. And, you know, I I think that now any uh, attack or something is not going to happen that way. Um, it will. Ha- there will be some other permutation. Um, I, I think that probably the copycats aren't going to do the exact same thing as these folks that have been so highly publicized. So what should people look out for um, as they're doing their their own digital hygiene and as they're trying to um, suss out others in the romantic realm, especially? Yeah. So like I said, if you've never met the person or you've just like video chatted with the person um, and they're asking for money, that's a pretty big red flag. Um, If they basically always have an excuse for why they can't meet, that's another pretty common tactic that romance scammers will use. Right. So you, you asked about other kind of methods or models that romance scammers will take on. A lot of the time they'll say that they're overseas um, outside of the U S or whatever country, the person they're trying to scam is in and, you know, they work in construction, they're on a project overseas or they're deployed overseas, um, in the military or they're like on business overseas, et cetera. They say that they'll meet up, um, and then something always comes up and they can't. The other thing that we talked about, if the profile seems too perfect or like a little bit off or a little bit cookie cutter, um, reverse image search, see what comes up, see if that picture is being used elsewhere. Um, and this is a funny one because it's like, we all have stalked people on social media, right? We all have stalked that person from 10, 15 years ago that we know on social media to like, see what they're up to and see what they're doing. You should probably do the same due diligence, if not more with the person that you've just met on the dating app. Right. Um, so I just kind of think of it that way. And if something odd comes up in their background, um, that could be a red flag. Um, if you're using dating apps, again, like kind of be careful about links to social media, check to see what's publicly viewable on your social media profile. Um, and then be really quick, two other things. Um, with romance scams, if 
the person you're talking to, if things start moving really fast, right? You've been like chatting for a day or two and they want to go from the app to texting or email. Uh, and then after that, you know, within a, a week or a month, there's all this talk about spending the rest of your lives together and a match made in heaven and you two are destined for each other, et cetera. Um, and you haven't met the person, you know, like I'm a big believer, like love is real. Uh, right. People do fall for each other. Um, but if you've only ever been texting with this person and it goes that quickly, that's another red flag, right? That's usually how scammers really try and build trust quickly. And kind of they're telling people what they want to hear if they're already on a dating app, right? So it makes it easier for them to build trust. And then once the trust is established, they then try and get money. Uh, and that's that's the last tip. If someone who you haven't actually gone on like a physical date with uh, and don't have a good sense of who they are, if they ask you, for money, um, if they're asking for a specific type of payment. So like gift cards were the most common type of payment method for romance scams in the last year. Um, if they're asking for your credit card number or a crypto transfer or wire transfer, huge red flag. Um, because, you know, once that money is sent, it's basically impossible to get back. Um, and in those instances, like, let's say you're really head, head, head over heels for this person and they ask you for money. It's always good to just ask, why are they asking me for money? Is there some other way that they could resolve the situation that they're in short of asking me for money? Right. So it's common for them to be like, you know, my, my brother is in the hospital or my dad is in the hospital and I, I need money to pay for an emergency medical fee. Well, what about uh, the brother or the dad's friend? What about health insurance? Can the the person's employer do something uh, to help pay for the medical expense, et cetera? Why are they asking me? Um, but yeah, I know it's a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, it's all like pretty scammy behavior, if you know what I mean. It's just that they've dressed it up in the veil of a relationship and it, it kind of creates a filter in into how you view the relationship that might make you more willing to send this person money ultimately um but it's still a scam so you just have to keep that in mind oh the bumble bandit here once again i know these tips seem obvious but if you watched the tinder swindler you'll see how elaborate these scams really can be and the more elaborate the scam the more you can lose touch with reality so keep these tips close and you can be sure that when we meet you'll swipe left is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Our producers are Morgan Lavoy and Mike Coscarelli. Executive producers are Nikki Etor and Will Pearson. Our mascots are Penny and Mimsy. Huge thanks to OG Money Rehab team Michelle Lands for her development work, Catherine Law for her production and writing magic, and Brandon Dickert for his editing, engineering, and sound design. And as always, thanks to you for finally investing in yourself so that you can get it together and get it all. We spend the